Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, on last week's podcast, I discussed with you our unplanned, but I still think it was a good idea, interruption of our discussion of George Orwell's famous 1984. What we're doing is we're making a quick trip to Orwell's equally famous classic, Animal Farm. Now, we're doing this because we're in the middle of our summer camp uh, program. Uh, We call it here summer education program, but uh, just uh, colloquially, it's known as summer camp. But uh, one of the new things we're doing this year is uh, for our campers is they have to participate in a weekly book club discussion. And it's usually on Fridays. Uh, and it's over lunch, and uh, uh, this is a requirement for all the teams. They, ha- they could choose from one of nine books, and uh, these students I have with me here in the studio chose Orwell's Animal Farm, and I was asked to volunteer to do a book club, and I was happy to do it, and then I thought, wow, I could maximize this. I could get a few extra programs out of it, so, so that's what I'm doing with all of you students here today. So I did volunteer to help monitor one of the Animal Farm discussion groups, and uh, when I was preparing for this job, I realized the book would make a great tie-in to our 1984 discussion. And actually, I think it will help you understand 1984 even better. So last week, I did discuss with you the background of the book, especially the historical background. And of course, uh, it's not unknown today that Orwell was going after Soviet-style socialism and communism. I discussed the cast of characters with you, and I also gave you an overview of the plot of the book. Now, for today's program, our SEP book club is here in the studio with me. They're ready to go. They're going to give you their insights from the first five chapters of George Orwell's Animal Farm. So, welcome to JBL Campers. Hello. Come on. Oh, you! I know you do more out in the fields than than there. So go ahead, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay. So we have two young ladies, two fine gentlemen. Isaac, Aiden, Heidi, Nicole. There we go. That also helps me remember who they are. Anyway. So, so okay, campers. Uh, uh, we had our little introduction discussion last week, and I thought it went great. So uh, let's start out today by talking about what you find most interesting in these first five chapters and whoever gets the mic first gets to start first um well i just find that one um point that comes across a lot is human nature with um napoleon and snowball they always um justify their actions as being right even though they're wrong so they say something and they just try to get around what they said earlier. So if they said no sleeping in beds, then they go and sleep in the beds, but they take off the sheets and say, well, a bed is only something that has a sheet. <laughs> so technically your hay is a bed, but they're just human nature always finds a, a way to get around the problem. Okay, and I good. I thought that was really interesting. Good, Isaac. Go ahead, Aiden. I thought um, an interesting part of it was whenever there's – an evil empire 
or an evil person that wants to get into power, he always starts his evil empire by making everyone feel like they have a, have the best. They they're doing a lot better than everyone else. And at first, most of the people believe it, and it doesn't. It takes a while. Like in the book, it takes the first five chapters basically for the animals to start sensing that something is not right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, ladies. Heidi. Um, I really like how George Orwell um, used um, animals in a fairy story to show what real life was actually like. All right, that's a good comment. Go ahead, Nicole. Um, I really like how everything starts off with the mantras. Like the re- the rebellion started off with the mantra of four legs good, two legs bad. And I think that's just a little ironic because even today, everything starts off with mantras, but the question is whether people actually live by those mantras, and a lot of the times they don't. Right, right. Okay, well, good. Well, let me tell you what I think. I, I, I think uh, um, that certainly Orwell had a lot of creative genius, and um, I, I think all of you know he was an animal lover. He actually loved to have his own farm and. Even when he lived in London, he had chickens. You know, he kept chickens, and so. But he realized that he never could name them because if he named them, he couldn't eat them. And so, so if you notice in the book, he never, he never names the hens. They don't have any names. But uh, uh, I think it's so creative, you know, how he builds it. Even even in his description, I I mean, Napoleon, Napoleon is like a dark pig. You know, he's not. A snowball is like a white pig, and uh, uh, you know. Uh, Squealer. It doesn't say a whole lot about Squealer. I think he is kind of have black and white with him. But uh, uh, I've been around pigs, and uh, they do squeal. <laughs> so, so uh, calling calling the propaganda expert a Squealer, I think, is still it's really ironic and and it's really humorous. But then I don't know if you've noticed that there were some other pigs that are just called porkers, and they're only. Their only use in the book is they're going to be, they're going to be cut up to be eaten by Mr. Jones and uh, whoever he can sell them to. So, so I, I do think, um, you know, he, he really had the talent for, for giving you really good descriptions, and uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, Napoleon does represent, um, you know, Joseph Stalin, and of course, Snowball represents uh, Trotsky. And so he really was able to, to uh, I think, study their personalities, but then also incorporate it, incorporate it into the pigs. All right, well, so, so uh, let's give some of the storyline. What's your favorite part of the storyline in the first five chapters? I think my favorite part is uh, the rebellion because, I don't know, it's just very comical the way Orwell describes the animals chasing off humans. Okay. Yeah, did, did, was the rebellion planned? No, it was it wasn't. They kind of just went crazy whenever the humans came in with their whips. Right, right. Okay. Anybody else? Any other comments on that? It was really funny um, how after the after the after the rebellion, during the rebellion, they um, talked about how Napoleon and Snowball they played big roles in um, uh, making sure the rebellion happened and that the humans were chased off. But then further into the book. Napoleon starts discrediting Snowball, saying Snowball wasn't even there. Snowball was the one that, you know, kind of helped them, and that he was the real hero that actually saved them all. Right, right. So I, I guess I think one of the one of the uh, 
the things about the storyline that, that is really interesting to me is that the that you know there's there's uh some kind of justification for the rebellion because you know mr jones what he's a drunk he's, he doesn't care about feeding the animals even his help they don't feed the animals and uh you know when the when the animals uh, it was the cow that kicks in you know one of the the uh bins in the shed so they can eat and then they bring the whips in and and uh, you can see that that there's this tension building up uh you know between them and so so if you if you look at society today there's even a, there's still a lot of tension being built up and uh, you know in in some ways um you know i think people try and justify some of the protests going on because you know, of the tension is building up, but but in some ways, I think it's true. I mean, people have been locked in their houses from because of COVID nineteen. They're frustrated. You know, they can't get out and work. They're frustrated, and so so uh, you know the way, as Isaac said, the way human nature works is they have to get out somehow, and they they want to release their frustrations. And of course, uh, look what happens, and it, it really gets uh, really kind of dangerous that way. And uh, as you as we get closer, I think to the uh, the U.S. election, it's going to get more intense, and you're going to see more explosions coming. I mean, I just I just feel that's that's really happening. It's going to happen. But but what I think is really interesting in the storyline is actually there is a period of time that once the farmer is gone, once he and his wife are gone, and the pigs seem to be really successful on the farm. And, uh, you know, things seem to be working out. But what happens? What happens, you know, even after all the success? What begins to happen? Well, the humans come back and start halting their progress by destroying some of their equipment, like, or destroying the windmill that they are trying to build and stuff like that. Okay. But who who does Napoleon blame it on? Snowball. Snowball, right, because... Uh, you know the the thing that's really going on is is ex- exactly what they rebelled against is beginning to happen among themselves, and I think that was one of the big points that Orwell was trying to make with animal farms. When you have a revolution, eventually, especially like a socialist kind of revolution, it's always going to break down into factions. And and even if you look at what's happening today, they're now infighting. Even the people that have been protesting now they're infighting, and so so you know those things uh, are happening. But but I, I do think that that all the socialist governments out there they they promise there's they they promise that there's going to be this utopia, and that's what they want. They want a socialist utopia, but it all breaks down eventually. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, even the, the character Moses, he's not, the, you know, he's the, the, uh, the blackbird. You know, even he comes in and he's promising them, well, when they die, they're going to go to Sugar Candy Mountain. And so, so we know that's a, that's a representation of how uh, socialism uses, um, uses religion. All right. So, uh, so let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about your favorite character and why. I like Boxer. Um, he's kind of not the smartest, not the brightest, but he's a hard worker. And I think a lot of the other animals look up to him because he's so dedicated, but his downfall is he's not that smart. Right. 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 That's, that's, uh, that's pretty good. 
what are some of his mantras? You were you were talking about mantras before. What is what is it? Two of his favorite mantras. I will always work harder, and Napoleon is always right. That's right. <laughs> so so, but he is a hard worker. In fact, he's the one. He's the character that's most behind the success of Animal Farm. And uh, I think in any socialist revolution, there you're going to find people like that. They may not be very smart, but they really they want to back and support it. All right, Heidi. I really like Clover because um, sometimes she she thinks and she like just she realizes that they're not saying something right and they are changing like the seven commandments. And I just like how she realizes that, but it's really sad how she just she just goes along with it and she just thinks she's wrong and she didn't um, she missed part of the seven commandments before. Okay, good. I think Go my. For it. Favorite character is Benjamin because he never really went along with the revolution. He kind of he saw through it. He said in the beginning of the book um, something to the effect of what comes around or what goes around comes around. So he kind of knew from the beginning that the pigs were eventually going to end up like the humans. He saw right through all their propaganda and their taking of the milk and the apples and things like that. Right, right. I, I think uh, I, I look at him like an Eeyore. But but he's the one that's actually pretty intelligent because he knows where it's going. He doesn't expect anything good to come out of what's happening. So, all right, Isaac. Um, well, I actually really like um, Napoleon because he's just a really interesting character that obviously he represents Joseph Stalin, but it's really interesting how George Orwell um, has a pig portray a communist leader in a communist dictatorship. And I think that um, it's really accurate how he makes the pigs where to where they start out, everything's good. They have the seven commandments, like whatever goes on two legs is an enemy or all animals are equal. But then over time, they, they start dividing. They get divided to where not all animals are equal. The pigs are the hierarchy and like... Um, yeah, they're the hierarchy, and they're the ones that are calling on the shots. They're not; they're they're no longer equal, and I think that Napoleon just really plays a huge role in um, developing that um, that story. Uh, yeah, if you think about the satire there, and I know uh, uh, again, you really have to kind of know a little bit of the history of what was going on in England. But but if you notice, even uh, the pigs are the ones. It was Old Major that developed the song. A beast of England, and so so right there that that narrows the book down, and it shows you that Orwell was going after socialism in England, and there 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 was uh, at the time this was uh, written right right around the time of World War Two or right after you know World War Two, and there was a big socialist movement in England, and uh, maybe it's more towards the end of World War Two, but but what the uh, Orwell considered himself a socialist, but he did not like Soviet-style communism or socialism. And so, essentially, he makes Stalin out to look like a big, fat pig. I mean, that's essentially what he's doing. He's calling him a fat pig. And, and the, 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 the thing is, do you, do you realize it took him almost five years to get someone to publish this book? Because no one wanted to offend the, the people that wanted Soviet-style communism. And and uh, essentially, uh, Orwell was just courageous. 
and that's why he 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 put the the leaders of the of the party as pigs and uh you know uh even snowball i think uh you can almost like him and i think people i think people probably felt that trotsky was mishandled by by stalin which well eventually he was assassinated um you know squealer squealer is just a all pig squeal you know so so uh but but really he's he's really going after it he, there was this uh the Soviets really had their propaganda, and they made Soviet communism or maybe Soviet socialism really seem like a religion, and it seemed like something you could really worship. And when he took it and put it in the into the form of pigs, he really was he he was really going after that that myth. And he was really trying to destroy it, and he really did a good job of it. Now, actually, the book uh, really didn't come come into play until after uh, Adolf Hitler had been defeated. And so it was more acceptable in England at the time because Joseph Stalin was no longer supporting the war effort because, well, Hitler was taken over. And so, so then the book became really famous. And so, so he, he really got what he wanted out of that. I thought it might be uh, fun if I just read the Seven Commandments real quickly. And uh, we can we can uh, maybe incorporate that in some of our discussion here. So here are the seven commandments, and these were again developed by the pigs. You know, this is uh, uh, they took old majors, you know, thoughts. But then this is Squealer, this is Napoleon, this is Snowball, and uh, uh, I think it's interesting that there's only seven. There's not ten. You know, so so I think even Orwell is saying, you know, maybe there's something flawed with their commandments or their philosophy. So so uh, 10 is actually a more perfect number. Number one, whatever goes on two legs is an enemy. Number two, whatever goes upon four legs or has wings is a friend. No animal shall wear clothes. No animal shall sleep in a bed. No animal shall drink alcohol. No animal shall kill any other animal. All animals are equal. And so, so uh, uh, how long... How long does those commandments, how long are they held up in the first five chapters? <laughs> uh, from what I remember, I'm pretty sure it's to the fifth chapter. The fifth chapter is the bad chapter. Yeah, it's everything where everything really goes, good until chapter goes five. wrong. Right. Right. Everything goes bad in <clears> chapter <throat> five. Let's, let's talk about another character, any other characters in there. There's a bunch in there. So one of my favorites is Molly. Molly is... Uh, She's really not into the revolution at all. <laughs> uh, Molly always shows up late to work, you know, in the farm. Uh, the, one of the things that Molly likes most are mirrors. And uh, she likes mirrors because she can look at the ribbons in her hair. <laughs> and uh, what else does Molly really like? She likes sugar. She likes sugar. And uh, guess what they don't have on Animal Farm? Sugar. They have no sugar. So, so anyway, I, I think it's interesting that, uh, yeah, maybe I'll just read this out of the book, but uh, uh, this is, uh, in my, the book I have is page 12, so I don't know what it is going to be in your books, but, but for all of our listeners out here, I think this is, this is really kind of w- really well written. And uh, this is after the revolution really gets, it's, uh, gets started. 
And Orval writes, Molly the white mare, and that's what she was, she was white. She says, the very first question she asked Snowball was, will there be sugar after the rebellion? And he said, no, said Snowball friendly. We have no means of making sugar on this farm. Besides, you do not need sugar. You will have all the oats and hay you want. But here's what Molly says. And shall I still be allowed to wear ribbons in my mane? Asked Molly. And uh, here is Snowball's answer. And this is typical of socialism. He says, Snowball says, Comrade, those ribbons that you are so devoted to are the badge of slavery. <laughs> you know, she loved them. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, what ends up happening is is uh, uh, Clover catches Molly. Uh, and this is before uh, Chapter 5, but the Clover catches Molly talking to a human another farmer and uh, then they find out uh, one day Molly's gone but they check in her stall and they found sugar cubes underneath her straw so she was getting sugar cubes they found ribbons underneath her straw so uh, so uh, she could not give up her ribbons and uh, she could not give up her sugar and then they see her downtown and she's like really decked out pulling another cart so she's a happy girl so, <laughs> so anyway I think she's that's a that's a fun character there, and uh, so anybody else? Uh, I like Squealer mainly because Squealer is the propaganda leader of Napoleon's empire, and it's kind of just a timeless name for propaganda from different regimes, like Stalin's propaganda. They're just saying stuff all the time about how great Stalin was. And then even today in our in the modern media, they're just always talking. They never actually look at the facts or anything. They just keep talking. Yeah. So so eventually, um, you know, Squealer is out there to convince everybody that everything is still going well, even though the rations are being cut. You know, they start cutting their rations. Uh, the 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 animals all find out eventually that the pigs get milk in their mash. <laughs> You know, it's like Boxer, he's so into the rebellion, he can't figure it out. You know, they're, they're confused, but they still can't figure it out. But, uh, uh, you know, things are going downhill, you know, really pretty quickly. Um, so then what, what, uh, what really happens now in Chapter 5? That's the big chapter, I think, to get us ready for the second half of the book. Well, everything starts going downhill. Everything, all the commandments, they start, um, well, all the pigs start breaking them but then they start justifying that it's okay to break them. And then really, uh, right after Chapter 5, we know we have the massacre where um, anybody who was opposed to the rebellion or was opposed to the decisions that the pigs made after the rebellion saying, well, you guys broke the Ten Commandments, or Seven Commandments. Seven Commandments, right. <laughs> Which, they're right, but they not they were backed up, but then they all got killed by the dogs, which are the um which are Stalin's fighting force right. in um the USSR and i think that it's just it's all human nature right it just everywhere right it's it all it really breaks down and and uh the the, the thing that's interesting is the 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 incident that started the to, to really let's say expose napoleon and snow snowball is the windmill and what does Snowball want to do with the windmill? 
essentially, what does he want to accomplish with it? He wants to try to make the uh, lives of the animals easier, providing them electricity and running water eventually. Right. I mean, here the pigs are taking every all the good stuff, and so the animals are beginning to suffer. But here Snowball has a really good idea. He can give them electricity. They can, uh, you know, make them, uh, you know, produce the food easier. It, it's it's going to make. Uh, uh, he said they're going to have hot water and, and heat in their own stalls, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> I don't know how you do that with, with farm animals. But anyway, um, but then what happens is, wh- what? Who, who goes against Snowball? Napoleon does. And he actually, at first he adamantly disagrees with Snowball about the windmill. And then just a few weeks after they banish Snowball, he actually says that the windmill was his idea and the Napole- or. Snowball actually stole it from him. Yeah. All right. Ladies, any comments? Um, I think it's interesting how they introduce the windmill into this chapter. I mean, it's kind of like you pick a side, and whichever side you want, the windmill is just always going to be there. And then later on, something happens to the windmill. Um, But I just think that was kind of an interesting point on what was going on in that situation. And then later on... It's Snowball who disappears, and a lot of the animals are kind of wondering what happened, and they're just told that, oh, he disappeared, he's kind of gone, don't really know where he went. Yeah. Yeah, but he, everyone knows he ran off because they, their dogs were chasing him. But what's the, what's the big shocking thing that happens as soon as Snowball's gone? What's the big shocking thing? What's the big announcement that Napoleon makes that... That shocks everybody. Snowball is actually a traitor from the beginning, and he was working with humans the right. whole time. But there's something else. There's something spectacular that happens that just really throws everybody to see if I see how much they really read it. There. You see, you're not getting graded on this, students, are you? <laughs> All right. Big thing. They're looking. Let me tell you. What does Napoleon say once Snowball's out of the picture? What does he say about the windmill? That it was his idea. It's his idea. And in fact, he says, I was never really against the idea. I always wanted the idea. Well, it's just, it's just snowball. We had to get rid of snowball. And so, so essentially, you know, snowball was going to get the, the windmill built in a year. But now Napoleon comes back and he says it's going to take us two years. You know, and so, so the, the thing is, is, is the whole time... If you really read the book uh, carefully, and again, I know you're you're uh, you have so many activities going on, but but uh, there's a scene where Napoleon gets into Snowball's shed, and he looks at the he's studying it. He's studying the windmill. He's studying everything that Snowball was the real intellect. And basically, is what Orwell's saying is Snowball was the real intellect behind Stalin, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, um, Napoleon goes in, sees how great everything is, and it's it's uh, you know it's Snowball that gets into the farmers, you know, things his books on electricity, books on you know building equipment, and he's the one that figures it all out. But then then uh, they get rid of Snowball, and then Napoleon says, "Oh yeah, well this is my idea all along." And so so uh, it, again, students, I think it just shows how you know. People, uh, you know, in in these, uh, I guess, in socialism, 
what Orwell is trying to say is there's always a power grab and and people are always going to try and take the power and they'll do anything to take power and even if it means betraying everybody else and you know you know here um you know snowball helped get everything going and yet now he's been betrayed by napoleon well that's all the time we have for today's program next time we'll continue our scp campers discussion of the last five chapters of george orwell's classic animal farm now remember this is a short interruption to our summer series on uh George Orwell. You can buy Animal Farm at Amazon.com. You can also find a copy in your local bookstore. And of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to JBL at PCOG.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading. been listening to just the best literature on trumpet radio 101.3 kpcg streaming online at kpcg.fm and the trumpet.com